0: this is betql daily presented by betmgm from betql
2: welcome back to betql daily presented by betmgm aaron hawksworth and pj glasser with you and joining us now is rick camp of four for four and bet spurts so excited rick that the nba is back it's It's been a tough week for your girl. Just like, okay, can we end the All-Star break already? I I really haven't been betting as much as I normally do because of the All-Star break, but I'm excited. We've got some action tonight. Before we look at tonight's card, let's look big picture, some futures. You know, with the trade deadline, we saw some movement. Where might you be looking? Where is there some value in the NBA futures market?
0: One that I bet yesterday that is... At BetMGM is who's going to have the most losses on the season. So essentially, who has those number one pick odds and who's the best tanker? And for me, I bet the San Antonio Spurs were the second favorite at plus 150, just because they've they've shown this year that they're already committed to the tank. I understand that Houston uh, has one you know one more game that they could lose at this point, but Houston also does have more talent. Then San Antonio, and San Antonio has already done weird things like have Keldon Johnson come off the bench for a while. They're already pretty well committed to a lot of their guys that are still playing, not really playing much. Like tonight, you can just look at what they have, and there's a lot of guys that are already out. So I feel like they're all in for Banyama and already have that strategy, and they have the same amount of losses yeah. as Houston. So I like that one. And the other one that I've been really bullish on lately is uh, Oklahoma City to make the play-in is plus 240 uh, that that I got it at. And I understand because if you, t- if you just took their profile and took the team name off of it, there's no way the odds would be this. Because since January 1st, they have a plus 8 net rating. Like, they're the third best net rating in the NBA. They are three games ahead of the Lakers in the loss column, two games ahead of Portland in the loss column. Utah is trying to tank their way down. So they have that type of advantage with Shea Gilgis Alexander and some of their guys showing what they have. I really don't think they're going to value a tank because at this point, how far could they realistically tank? Cause you're not going to have yeah. Shea be out for the rest of this season. So them to still make the play in when they're in already and have that type of advantage. And they have a schedule that's easier than the Lakers the rest of the way. I think Oklahoma city's got value on it. So those are a couple that I really, I really liked so far and, um, uh, being in chicago the, the the bulls under 36 and a half wins is uh something that i like as well just because i don't trust this team patrick beverly is a competent player but he's not going to really change their fortunes very much and they've got a west coast trip to go they would need to go i believe like 11 and 12 the rest of the way to be able to hit that over and i just do not trust this team to do that
1: Rick what about either in the East or the West you know obviously with the big trades that were made in the West with KD to the Suns Kyrie to the Mavs maybe you haven't placed a bet on it but do you know who you would like at this point to be the representative out of the West out of the Eastern Conference for the finals or do you see value maybe like in the Pelicans or the Warriors maybe or even Cleveland in the East like what teams are you kind of backing here? I've got positions uh preseason on denver 20, 20
0: to one to win the title. I was lucky to be one of the people like being in the central time zone when that Kevin Durant trade happened, I was uh, I was about to go to bed when I saw the trade break. And there was one of the books that was a little slow on the trigger to pull the to pull the Suns' numbers. So I was able to get eight to one to win the West, twenty to one to win the title. So obviously, if either of those teams, which I think are the two most likely teams to come out of the West, make it to the finals, maybe I hedge in that regard. And I had four to one for Phoenix to win the division. Anticipating Devin Booker coming back, so I've I would very much like the Suns to do very well this year. Uh, but I also really like Milwaukee, and if I had to pick someone that's outside of those top four to maybe win their conference, I think there is some value on Cleveland of anybody. Yes, I, I do value Philly somewhat, but I, I, you know, Cleveland if they get that four or five matchup, they're going to have the easiest first round matchup. I well, maybe not the easiest, but just. I, I don't know. I don't necessarily trust what's going on below them. I just think it's going to be those top four with a bullet, and I think they can match up okay against Boston to the point where they could give them a series. But I still think the the title winner is going to come out of those top two teams in each conference that everybody is perceiving at this point in terms of Boston, Milwaukee, Denver, and Phoenix.
2: I just can't seem to figure out what I want to do with this Clippers team. They disappointed me last season. I had some future. So, like, personally, I know you're not supposed to bet with your emotions, but I just decided to stay away. But do you think they could go on a run, you know, and do some damage come playoff time?
0: I absolutely thought so before the Russell Westbrook move, and obviously it's subject to change because Tyloo's saying what he has to say right now. I'm going to let Russ <laughs> be Russ and whatever. But – They were really putting something together with Terrence Mann as the fifth starter, letting him just basically bring the ball up, take a little bit of a small amount of the ball, uh, the responsibility of just bringing the ball up away from George, from Paul George and Kawhi, and he's an athletic dude that's a good cutter that really provides a lot of what they don't have in a lot of their lineup. I'm also against the selfishly against the uh, Russell Westbrook move because I have. I have Norm Powell thirty to one preseason to win Sixth Man and fifty to one midseason to win Sixth Man. So that was mm. looking really good, but now that Terrence Mannish put pushed back to the bench along with Bones Highland, along with Aaron Gordon, along with Nick Batum, like there's just a lot of mouths to feed on their second unit. So I don't know that the shot volume is going to be there for Norm Powell. Uh, so like six man, I think it's really looking like Malcolm Brogdon at this point, which is no fun. But until I see the Clippers, I'm not doing anything with the Clippers because I've wanted them yeah. to be good the last few years, just like you. And they've disappointed. So I just need to see what it looks like first.
1: Another future market, Rick, that Aaron and I have talked about. Mike Brown is plus 250 right now. Bet MGM to win coach of the year. Missoula is the favorite, but He inherited a team that made the NBA Finals last year, and I know he's done a good job, but Kings haven't been the postseason forever. Mike Brown's done a great job. Are you surprised that Missoula is the favorite in the Coach of the Year race right now? The only reason I'm not is because of how the Celtics have played.
0: They've switched up how they play a little bit. You know, dealing with some of the injuries they had, like, Yudoka's system where they were really taking off was based so much on Robert Williams being able to, you know, be a guy that roams around and be able to essentially play like a Giannis or Jaron Jackson role like weak side rim protector and not having him to start the year. They had to become more of an offensive team. Missoula got them to push. They've emphasized threes a little bit more. And their offense has been fantastic as a result for a vast majority of the season. So they've been a little bit more offensive versus defensive. Now, I think actually Missoula should probably be a little bit more of a favorite because I but that's more because I think it's Missoula and Brown and nobody else at this point. I just think it's those two mm. guys. Yeah. Like Michael Malone at like three to one, I disagree with completely because Jokic is getting the credit for what they're doing by likely winning another MVP. So I really like the Uh, either Missoula or Brown. And the thing that worries me about Mike Brown is that I think there's a a very decent chance that Sacramento falls down the standings a little bit towards the end of the year. Like if they stay at the three, if you told me at the end of the season, they're the three seed. Okay. Then I'm with you, but I think they're probably going to be five and maybe even six. Uh, So just with that recency bias down the stretch, even though I think he has done a fantastic job, I think it will end up going to Missoula, who is still, even with all the weird Yudoka stuff happening as late as it did, that them being the one seed in the East in all likelihood is going to earn him that spot.
2: Let's look at tonight's card. I know there's several props that you really like. Let's start with Embiid. What are you expecting out of him?
0: Well, since for Memphis, since Steven Adams has gone out of the lineup, they've been they've been pretty brutal on the boards. Whether it's been Xavier Tillman or Brandon Clark starting in the middle, twenty seventh in offensive rebound rate and twenty seventh in defensive rebound rate since Adams has gone out of the lineup. So I like Joel Embiid over eleven and a half boards. Embiid maybe hasn't been the most consistent on the glass, but considering the size advantage he's going to have and the fact that Philly's starting to play a little bit smaller more often, so there's not as many mouths to feed on the glass. I think that really works to his advantage so yeah mb to to control the glass against memphis and knowing that memphis is a team that's good enough to keep it close so that mb should get his full allotment of
1: minutes as well uh is something that i really like what about jason tatum rick i know you have a prop on him that you like tonight
0: yeah, and it scares me a little bit with him coming off of the All-Star Game MVP and all that stuff, but I'm, I'm going over 29.5 points just because defenders that give Tatum issues are generally ones that have more length. And when you look at who Indiana has, you know, what's it going to be, Buddy Heald or Aaron Nesmith that are probably going to be guarding him? And, you know, Indiana's just a small team. They don't have a traditional four, and even with Robert Williams back, the Celtics fully healthy – Marcus Smart, how much is he really going to want to shoot first game back? Jalen Brown is going to be fine, but that also means the Indiana defense is going to have to stay. You know, they're going to have to stay true to Jalen Brown. So whether he's starting at the three with Horford and Williams starting, or he's starting at the four with one of those big starting and one coming off the bench, who's going to truly, you know, bother him? And in their first matchup this year, he had uh, 41 points. So while that it was pretty significantly earlier in the season it was still when indiana was starting this lineup and it wasn't when they were trying to make jalen smith happen so that's something that uh, i really like that one for uh for tatum even if it is maybe a little counterintuitive to you know first game out of the break after having such a productive all-star weekend
1: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help
2: This Golden State plus five and a half at the Lakers tonight is intriguing. I I don't know what to make of it. I was thinking maybe I should just live bet it and see how this goes because we heard LeBron saying, oh, these next games are the most important of my career. So, like, are they going to go on a run? I don't know. Kind of like the Clippers. I'll believe it when I see it. So I may stay away. Are there any props that you like in this one?
0: Yeah, another thing with Golden State, outside of Curry, A- Andrew Wiggins is out this game. So with uh, with Darvin Ham saying the Lakers are going to start Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt, that means LeBron's going to be at the three, which means he's going to have the size advantage. He does over most threes, but instead of it being someone like Andrew Wiggins, it's going to be what, maybe Dante DiVincenzo or Clay Thompson trying to slow him down. And with him already having that record, I think LeBron's going to try and get his, but I think he also wants to integrate these pieces a little more. So D'Angelo Russell over two and a half threes is a prop that I like a lot, because with Vanderbilt starting at the four with Anthony Davis in, in the middle, when you're looking for the spacing and the three-point shooting, it's pretty much going to be Beasley and Russell bombs away. So those are the guys that have to provide that spacing and keep defenses honest and give Anthony Davis that space on the inside. So I think LeBron's going to be really set on, yeah, getting his own, but also integrating everybody into the offense. And Russell has only gone over this in one of the three games he's played so far. But, you know, the lineup has been weird with LeBron being out. And he's been a quality three-point shooter, so he doesn't need the most attempts in the world to be able to go over this. And when it's plus money, I'm going to be here for it.
1: Rick, you're so good at player props. I'm just curious, like, what's your process? Do you you look at the teams playing, and then do you pick players based off of that matchups? Or do you monitor, like, certain players and see if you can get a favorable spot? Like, what usually is the go-to for you?
0: It's a really lame answer, but it, it really does all depend uh, it depends on the player, like for D'Angelo Russell, as, as an example in this one, it's the fact that, you know, the Lakers need spacing, you know, they need shooting. That was really one of the only reasons they were willing to take him on is to get someone uh, that can shoot and seeing. And it's also in this specific case, it is projection because we haven't seen much of these guy of this group together. But knowing that Beasley's going to shoot, knowing that LeBron, saying what he has said, and just knowing how LeBron works when there's new guys, he does want to integrate them. Like Russell's probably going to be a secondary uh, creator for them as well, so he is going to have the ball in his hands. So if he's able to cross someone up and be able to hit a step back as well, he's shown he's able to do that. And also, if he's if he hits his first one, he's also a guy that part of the reason Minnesota wanted to get rid of him is he'll take a lot of them. So he's a guy that won't have the ball in his hands as much as he did in Minnesota, but still, he gets up a good amount of attempts, and even off the dribble, he shoots the ball respectably. So whether he's creating his own three-point opportunity or he's getting set up by the best creator he's ever played with, honestly, then I think he's going to have more of a catch-and-shoot opportunity than he's had you know, any time recently.
2: What about your handicapping, like, the first game back after the All-Star break? Are guys rested and refreshed, or maybe they just got a little too comfortable and come out a little rusty?
0: It's tough. It's a lot of guessing, to be perfectly honest with you. And just especially for with as many players as changed teams, you're also projecting roles. But that also, you know, in theory, if you have a decent idea of what the existing players need or if you know what the coaches and the rest of the team is looking for out of someone that's new, you can maybe try and project. And while there's more ambiguity, that also means it's likely that way for the books as well. So if you have conviction on anything, then, you know, there might be a little bit of a wiggle room, which, like, for me, that's with Russell. Has he shown it in his three games? Not necessarily. He has three, five, and eight attempts from deep. But I do think with LeBron back and, you know, having some time to practice ahead of time, even though practice is kind of whatever it is at this point of an NBA season, being able to get your ducks in a row just a little bit should help. And when I'm looking at, okay, how can the Lakers minimize what type of damage D'Angelo Russell can do? Uh, I think using him as a spot-up guy with LeBron being the responsible ball handler is probably the best way to do it because Malik Beasley is much more of your running-around screens guy, where D'Angelo Russell, if you think of of the shape of an offense, he's generally your guy floating uh, above the break just to try and create space. Maybe he's the one that gives some entry passes to Anthony Davis, and maybe every once in a while, Anthony Davis actually passes out, and while they're digging down on him, Russell can maybe hit a three.
2: Love it, Rick. Camp four for four, and spurts Not only is he an NBA expert, but he gave me some insight on microblading. He knows all about the tattoo I'm about to get today. I'll explain next in Lightning Bets. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by Bet MGM
0: on the BetQL Network.